I command you, enjoy the moment. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm the king of shit. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Triangle of Sadness. If we were handing out awards right now, this movie would get one for my most favorite movie quote of 2023. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Probably of 2022 as well. <laughs> I was going to say, well, 2023, you don't have too many uh, I, to got, fight against. I've four or five movies to go from, but, yeah. but, but yeah, it might be my, it might, it is one of my, I, I relished in the opportunity to say that and I didn't right. screw it up once. No, you didn't. We One take wonder, Shahir, they call him yeah. in the biz. <laughs> Shahir, how the heck are you? Uh, I am very well, thanks. I stopped work uh, about four minutes ago. Perfect. Uh, so I am ready to pivot my way into the discreet charm of Ruben Ostlin's film. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about it because I had such a great time watching this movie. Yeah? I had such a good time watching this movie. I kind of uh, did, too. Yeah, yeah. So we, we can talk about that. I, I did, um, I have only seen uh, Ruben Ostlin's other film, Force Majeure. Mm. Um, I did try to watch... Uh, the Square this week, and Criterion has uh, three of his first movies as well. And Play is one that I'm really interested in seeing uh, about a bunch of kids who scam another <laughs> another bunch of kids huh. uh, in, in a fun way. Not in a fun way, based on a true story. Um, <laughs> but The Square is one I wanted to try out, and uh, the only way to watch it I noticed uh, for free, <laughs> because I'm cheap, of course, um, was either on Crackle or Plix. Um, so I, I quickly signed up to Plix, I believe it was, or Crackle, one of them, um, and turned it on. And a weird thing happened, which I guess I can't complain about because it was free. A but funny th- thing happened on the way to the square? Uh, a funny thing happened on the way, uh, while I was watching the square, which is that I was watching the square and I noticed you couldn't hear what the people were saying. It would be very, like, there was music playing at normal volume. There was the sound, the, the sort of echo of what people were saying, but their voices were not there. And I was, like, wondering if this was part of the the sort of meta text. Because, you know, the square is about an art gallery. And th- this is a real emperor has no clothes kind of moment. Or was <laughs> it because you were watching it on Crackle and it was describing the audio quality? No. This oh. is the amazing qu- thing. They had uploaded the file without the audio without the dialogue channel no they had, fucking way they had the the sound effects channel they had the music channel they had every other channel except the dialogue channel who do you talk to about that well it's free i get you know i mean like this, at a theater you'd go and be like excuse me yeah like, but, but, but but there was an interesting thing which is that the first few you know in the first few minutes of the square uh elizabeth moss is conducting an interview inside of an art gallery and i was like and the music before that played crystal clear and everything else was working on my system. So I was like, maybe it's just me. And sure. I actually like listened to the entire conversation as it was just... So all I was hearing was not the dialogue track. I was hearing the sound effects track, which had an echo or like a reverb <laughs> of the dialogue track in it. And that's the only thing I could hear. And then it was only like another... And then there was basically a, a musical sequence and then another like five or six minutes. And I was like, oh, I think this is wrong. Then I went and found it on the other service and it was correct. But by that time, I had spent, you know, half an hour trying to find this thing, 10 to 15 minutes of watching it. And ten, let's be clear, 10 to 15 minutes of me watching it is my fault. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, so that was my experience watching The Square, which inevitably I did not watch. <laughs> okay. But I did watch Triangle Sanders. <laughs> 
And we no, have a no, great no problems e- there. We do have a great email about triangle status. I'm going to save it. You know, last week I gave you some shit because I was going to read an email at the beginning yes, in which I, I, I pivoted uh, 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 so last minute. I did read this email this morning and double checked it. This is definitely an email we should read at the end of the podcast because it gives away spoilers right up top. So everybody remind me, at the end of this podcast, I have a wonderful email from Anika, and I am very excited to read it, and please, please hold me accountable. You you heard him. Everyone listening, yeah. remind him. Verbally say, as this episode ends, <laughs> Shahir, what about Anika's email? Or and write us in an email, if I fuck it up, at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com to complain I, about that, yeah, this. Yeah, I, I think the complaining should actually happen. Uh, that's a thousand. Because you know how to get a hold of us, onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com, unlike the crackle service <laughs> that Shahir could not watch the dialogue track up the square on. How are you, Matt? I uh, didn't ask. <laughs> I'm fine. Were you trying to watch uh, movies this week with no sound? So you know what? I, I'll tell you. The only other film I watched this week hmm. was I watched The Menu again because Jamie hadn't seen it. Okay, all right. Uh, fuck with, that Which is a good, good double feature with this movie. Right? Very much. Yeah. Uh, I I had watched I had watched Triangle of Sadness the night before, right. and then we I rewatched the menu, and uh, yeah, it feels feels like I'm uh I'm really like really real just sandwich. down on capitalism. <laughs> um, no, no, it, uh, that movie is phenomenal. I love it very much, uh, and Jamie had a great time watching it. So, you know, other than that, I haven't really, I haven't really sat down. The only other thing I've been watching, and this is just my nerd showing, is uh, the Legend of Vox Machina and Last of Us. Okay, uh, um, I have heard very, very good things about uh, Last of Us. Um, in, but I am feeling very guilty because I own Last of Us as a game, including the remastered version, and I was like. You know, and I, I got up to a clicker or something at one yep. point and then didn't and died five or six times. And then I was like, I'll play this some other time and then never picked it up to play it again. And so I'm like, I've heard the show is great. I want to be a completionist and finish the game. But this is like a more difficult completionist kind of approach because the game will take several, several hours of my life. And in my gameplay rate would probably be a month's worth of play before I got to the end. I, I bet you if you watched the show. Right, it'll make you want to play the game, even though you're getting the story. Okay. I, I honestly think it will, and and I will say, uh, without hyperbole, that episode three is probably one of the finest episodes of television I've ever seen. It's I, uh, Twitter... Craig Mazan or Mazan is yeah. the showrunner, right? Who yeah, did, who did, uh, did um, Chernobyl. Chernobyl, which is phenomenal. Yeah, um, episode three. Twitter is just blown up and like yep. it's to the point where like now that I say it it almost feels trite because everyone said it but like I saw, I saw how many people and it's weird there's this thing that happens which is that it's talked it's been talked about so much that I kind of feel like I know what happens in it and it, it, it like it makes me not it makes me want the 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 hyperbole to die down Same. and then come at it at some other point. Yeah, I was just uh and and, and it, what I love about it is they took a character from the game this is no spoilers. That is sort of a side thing, and and they used it rather than just an encounter point uh, to play off of Joel and Ellie, the two mains, the two leads. They turned it into something that was not only like really important world building for people that don't know the game, mm-hmm. uh, but also like managed to tell like just a, a beautiful human story at the same time. And it ne- it just I don't know felt fucking great. Right. So if you haven't watched The Last of Us and you're into that thing and you can handle all the all the the, the fungi zombies. Uh, please go check out that show because it is very, very good. If you can handle fungi zombies, though, I think you'll be able to handle this week's episode, which I actually, and to be fair, while I had a great time watching this, uh, there was something about this movie that I was very aware of and was tensed up to see it. 
um, because it's not really? something I enjoy watching or it's something that just gives me the X. Uh, oh, I know. We'll get to it. Of course. It. Yeah, of course yeah, yeah. you know. So tell us what tri- Ruben Oslin's The Triangle, not The Triangle, what's Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness is about, which has been nominated for Best Feature Film. I, I yes, know. it has, and I think rightfully so. Uh, I love this IMDb description. Mm-hmm. It is simple. It is to the point. A fashion model celebrity couple join an eventful cruise for the super rich. Super rich. Uh, yep. <laughs> That's what happens. The, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. 25 minutes. I uh, love the first 25 minutes of this movie. Uh, it's I, really actually, I, fun. I love the entire duration of this movie. The, the thing about this movie that I, and we'll get into as we go, but yeah. uh, minor, 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 minor structural spoiler. Mm. I love movies that that make us sit in a couple different weird, different locations, but like for a long time. So like most of the movie happens here. Then most of the movie happens here. Then most of the movie happens here. I like that like, structure and movement uh, and flow very much when it's done well and this feels very 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 good like that uh, i just want to not to bring some sadness to this but i just wanted to also shout out or you know point out that uh the actress who played yaya um Charlby dean actually passed away uh after the after the filming of this movie really uh, yeah she had um i believe the cause of death was uh an antibacterial or an uh, sepsis or something something along oh. those lines uh, she's very That's young. Awful. She's amazing in this. Uh, so just pointing out that, you know, like there is some sadness to the fact that, um, you know, one of the leads of this film did die um, very soon after the uh, the filming of this film. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Um Sorry, not to well, bring you down. Jeez. Uh, okay, uh, bring it back. Uh, yeah. Movie. It's funny. There's funny moments. And, <laughs> um, no, uh, this, this is a um, scathing indictment of capitalist society and culture as a whole um and and the way that in in the way that um the menu handles certain aspects of like the service industry and a couple other things this is sort of just like the entirety of the of the um of the farcical nature of the financial world that we have built ourselves into Right. Not you and me specifically, no. but that all of us are now culturally agreed is how things work. Right. <laughs> um, and it starts small enough. Like, it does a really good job of starting really small. Mm. And you just follow Carl and Yaya, a, a uh, model couple. Uh, uh, Yaya is far more uh, successful than Carl is. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, like the first interaction, which I think sets the tone quite well for like discussing societal expectations, mm. is a dinner scene where uh, Yaya is not paying attention on Instagram or whatever, and uh, he's waiting for her to pick up the bill, and then she never does, and then they get into an argument about like uh, gender roles and who uh, you know w- dinner picking up, and then what that means, and like all these other things, and it's. It does a couple different interesting things. Like, on the surface, that's an interesting discussion. But then the thing that I found super interesting, and it takes its time and I liked it, was the conversation once uh, she eventually comes back to the hotel room. Mm. And uh, they kind of are over their initial being mad. And she, like, admits to some of the things that he said and then says, like, he can ask her anything. Yeah. There's, like, there's a weird, like, honest honesty to what happens in that. And it sets up. It sets up an honesty that I don't know happens for the rest of the movie. 
Hmm. And it makes it a it makes what happens to their characters later, I think, far more interesting. Yeah, I think I think what you're getting at is that the movie has a real absurdist tone to it. It has like almost a Fellini or Louis Benwell kind of quality to it, yeah. which is that it is it's like a circus show. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a big, you know, there's a big clown car through the middle of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's amazing is um, Harris, uh, what is the actor's name? Harris, uh, Harris Dickinson's performance is Carl at the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's this incredible shot, which I just actually, it actually visually arrested me, which was when she hands him like a 50 pound note. And she like puts it into, she tucks it into a shirt and he is so triggered by this moment. And it's clear that like this has brought up some kind of past trauma or something, you know, like for him that he like, and the camera is placed almost just under eye level as he's like opening and closing this, um, this elevator door where it, it kind of did the thing that Stanley Kubrick in The Shining does, which is that he creates this almost seemingly iconic frame which is like the perfect position of the actor and the frame itself and it was like i was really struck by how honest and raw that moment was you know and how upset he gets at that moment where clearly like you you don't know how he quite got to that but you Mm -hmm. understand that this is obviously a big trigger for him and and then i think the the interesting thing yeah as you mentioned is that they have a conversation where I absolutely understand why she doesn't pick up the tab. And I, you know, like it's, it's not, it's because initially it is like, oh, she's being manipulative or, and, and, you know, but then she says in this conversation, I don't even realize I'm doing it sometimes. It's just part of who I am. And then she says why she does it. And uh, it really gets into the sort of the identity, the idea that, that, that is quite nuanced, which is that the, the economic, the, the longevity of the economic life of women is far different from the economic life of men. And, and, and in those roles, we have been trained into, like it has been ingrained into us to the point where, where we don't even realize things are happening sometimes. Yeah, and, and it's, it's because he is coming from it. Uh, look, it's amazing we're having like a full conversation about just the first 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, but he is coming from sort of a point of view of like, a modern 21st century guy who's like, we should be equals. And it's not about, you know, like um, who has more money or what our gender roles are. It should be about equality and you and I are equal. And, you know, I'm happy to pick up the tab, but sometimes you got to pick it up too. And she comes back with this, with this notion, which is that that is naive because uh, the reality of my life is that while I may earn more than you at this moment, if we choose to have children or if the second I age out of this role, I need to ensure that the person I'm with could look after me beyond that point because my economic value will go down. And, and it's just this, it's very savvy and it's very nuanced and detailed. Um, and it's picking apart at an argument um, in a lot of ways that is kind of surprising. It, surprising given what the film does right. from that mm-hmm. moment on. Um, which is exactly what you say. I, I want to give a brief overview. Uh, look, I, I, um, I absolutely love this. Um, if, uh, you know, I, I had qualms about seeing it because I found Force Majeure, uh, Olsen's other film, which I believe was nominated for Best Foreign Film, or there's a really funny clip of, of him not being nominated and him throwing <laughs> a temper tantrum uh, about it. But it was like, it's part of, the, uh, like a lot of people pointed out that it's part of the, the sort of... Um, 
provocateur quality of him like he was yeah. make making a viral moment um uh, force majeure actually got remade as well with um with uh will ferrell and um uh veep uh um julie louis dreyfus julie louis dreyfus i didn't even see it um huh. but they but they remade the film entirely uh, I, I don't know if you know what force majeure is about it's a great Great idea for a movie. No. Uh, basically, uh, a father and his family are at a ski lodge when an avalanche... They're at the lodge when an avalanche happens. Um, and without thinking about it, he immediately flees. Like, he doesn't rescue his children. He doesn't rescue his <laughs> wife. He just flees. It's a perfect role for Will Ferrell. Yeah, he just completely is like... just just buses out of there um and the rest of the movie is him having to negotiate the fact that in a fight or flight moment he just you know he went into flight mode and he's kind of denies that it actually happened uh it's really great because it kind of again picks apart the seams of like what the gender roles are sure. why they should exist and how we respond to them um the second act of this movie essentially we don't know quite how we got there but yaya and chris uh, chris um uh carl carl end up on a yacht, on a multi-million dollar yacht um, for, for uber wealthy people um, where they are being invited for free and living amongst people who can actually pay for the ride. Um, and ostensibly for no real reason other than negligence and um, a, ser- a series of unfortunate circumstances something happens which causes this film to spiral into a third act, which I had no idea about. And, <laughs> and honestly, this thing happened, which was that we were in the middle of the event that this film kind of circles around. And I paused it, and the film had like a full hour to go. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do for another hour? Because we're at like the peak, mo- we're at peak movie uh, right now. And the movie only peaks further from that point. And yeah. this third act um, had me enraptured. Uh, my wife, Shivali, was in another room. And she, she actually came to me afterward and she was like, I haven't heard you laugh out loud in a movie in a long time. But you were legitimately laughing out loud during this movie. Um, you know, in a way that just I, I don't tend to do. Even if I think a movie is funny. Uh, very rarely do I like guffaw or really, you know, um, churn out the laughs. But this movie, I think in the kind of, again, Kubrick kind of, you know, Dr. Strangelove way, um, is incredibly incisive, but also wonderfully silly and ridiculous and absurdist. And But it's built on this foundation of honesty as well, which is just incredible. And built on a lot of human moments, even going back to the hotel room before they even get on the thing. Something that I wrote down in my notes, uh, I loved when he they were fighting and she was not in the room and he was like going to go to bed and he was trying to figure out how to turn, <laughs> turn the, the light off. off. And it was like I have been in that yeah, hotel yeah. room during a fight when my partner has left and tried to fight a lamp. <laughs> like it's it felt so real to me, and I was like, because those lamps, the switches never work the way you think they're going to work. No, they never do. And there's uh, and there's like five switches on the bedside, and yeah. they never turn off the light you want them to turn off. Yeah. 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 And then you juxtapose that with just the sheer and, and, and it does a really good job at sort of setting up these moments or set, setting up the tone of this absurdist world. Mm. Uh, and especially in the yacht, mm. the first thing we see, the first time we see the yacht is from a helicopter mm. uh, flying in that drops a case Which into I the water. Which I presume was like 
jewels yeah, or a hard drive of information. Or Turns out it's three cases of Nutella. Because <laughs> uh, the boat needed Nutella. And yeah. that was the fastest way to get Nutella. <laughs> um, and I just, I lost my shit when yeah. they take it to the galley and they open up this Pelican case and it's three jars of Nutella. <laughs> uh, the sheer cost. And it sort of sets up, right? Like, how much did it cost to get that fucking Nutella to that yacht? Like, can I tell you something that's actually really sad about me? Sure. (laughs) Which is that I watched the yacht, and there was a part of me, and this is because of some of the work I've done as a as a television show filmmaker uh, and a a A television show filmmaker. Yeah, I I directed a reality show in Panama once, um, and uh, we got to board, uh, I think, a couple of mega yachts that were owned by individuals. And I saw the sort of economic system of a mega yacht. Uh, and what I mean by mega yacht is, and so, and so part of me, and this is just the sad thing about me, which I guess is part of what I love about this movie, is that the opening 10 to 15 minutes is about exposing or underlining the world that Carl comes from, which is the economic reality that he comes from, which is very self-aware and understanding of his place in the world. And then he is aboard a yacht where he becomes ostensibly, he, he kind of behaves in a way that the person that was arguing at the dinner table would be probably offended by. Yeah, like instantly. <laughs> the thing that I was thinking about was that hypocrisy of like me being self-aware of like the economic realities that we live in, but also watching this going, well, these people can't be that rich because they're buying a trip on a on a on a on a yacht that you have to you know like you have to share with other people. Sure. And I've seen yachts. I, and I've been on them as a as a purely as an observer, by the way, as a as a guy who's just like, hey, do you want to go see this yacht? And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but I've seen the economic realities of like uh, how a super yacht works, uh, which is owned by one one family, and it's really fascinating because essentially, the yacht that or the yachts that I'd been on for the, for the, this project, they're in, the crew is paid to maintain and keep that yacht and will often do absolutely nothing for 365 days of the year only for the owner of the yacht to call them out for one day or something like that. And so yeah. they just, they're, they're pay, you know, paid full salary, full staff. If the yacht is completely maintained but does nothing uh, just for the whims of the yacht owner. Yeah, uh, it's almost as if uh, billionaires are a disease. <laughs> wow, I... Uh, I don't think that was the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying no, to make but was, was, about the, was about the, the, the thought process that went on in my mind, which was saying these people who are extremely wealthy um, weren't that wealthy. You know, it's that, that sort of like, um, what's, the, what's the economic analogy where it's like, uh, displ- I, 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 feel, I felt like I was a temporarily displaced billionaire at that moment. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and, but I also think, I think, you know, you are correct in, in all of that assessment. Uh, I think... The thing I took from it was like the yacht didn't look great. Like it no. was a cool, like and I think that was kind of the point. Mm. I think a lot of this movie when it t- when it comes to the socioeconomic stuff it's trying to display. Mm. It's showing the farcicalness of the entirety of of the thing and I think that actually comes down to also like this yacht feels like it maybe was from the 80s. Right. Like like it, it, it's it's fancy, mm. but it's not modern. And and like that these billionaires would still go and get on this yacht and do this thing, uh, 
that but that, that f- felt farcical in and of itself. And, and my point is not not that that was farcical. Again, these people are extremely wealthy, far wealthier than I will ever be in my lifetime. But I but what I'm saying is the hypocrisy was me. The film got me thinking about my own personal hypocrisies because it is so astute at pointing out the hypocrisies of the characters on board in both in both an absurdist way, like the the um, the weapons dealers who make uh, grenades who are promptly dispatched in a sort of beautifully ironic way. And that is, you know, that is high absurdist kind of clown car kind of comedy, but also this like more far more subtle way, which is that Carl, the person who has proven that he is naive about the the economic realities of the world, also does something within this first act that highlights how quickly one can be seduced by money. And, you know, he does something... He, he Not the, even money, just power. You're in a position of power. Economic power. And the movie is really good at giving us those moments where we subtly see that there is, underneath, like, the... The, the billionaire class or the millionaire class that actually is on the boat, there is uh, a working class underneath it that is hoping to obtain a nice tip at the end, money, 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 money. And underneath them is, a, yep. is, a, is another working class entirely, which will come into play in the third act. Which is a really good allegory uh, for uh, basically classism. You know, they they even spout Marxism in this uh, in this film. I love I love the the quotes back and forth of capitalists versus Marx uh, communists. Jokes and Marxism. about it, but, yeah, it, but it's, oh, they yeah. they had a really great joke, which is that uh, what's the difference between a Marxist and a capitalist? Was it a Marxist is someone who's read Karl Marx? And a capitalist is someone who understands Karl Marx. There was something. I, I think it was a. I don't remember yeah. the specifics, but yes, it was like the the difference was someone who'd read it versus someone who'd read it and understand it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie's got some yucks. I mean, it also has uh, Woody it's Harrelson. Some yucks. It's yeah, got some, some yucks, yucks and some yucks. Yeah. But dear listeners, we are actually at a very interesting time. I hate to break the conversation short for a second, but y'all, Shahir, do you know this? I have no idea what you're doing right now. Shahir, eight years in, <laughs> we have a sponsor. What? I'm very glad that it's actually this group because I've worked with them before on extra credits and uh, I use their thing. What is the thing? NordVPN. Shahir, do you use VPNs at all? I, I'm very aware of what a VPN is and I'm always sitting there kind of going... You know what? I should get a VPN. I should put this together. I'm not. I'm not just saying that. Wait. So. So can I pitch you? Can I pitch on the first? Tell me. First tell me. Thing? Just. Uh, just. Just give me the reason. <laughs> give me one reason. That's a Tracy Chapman song. Sure. Uh, I'll give you one reason to to stay here, and you can log in back around. Um. Basically, it's a virtual private network, right? So it keeps uh, your browsing history private, and it's it, it puts you through different IP addresses, so like you can't be like located based on your search history. Yada yada yada. And the cool thing I like about it because I operate it all on all my devices. On my phone, I can switch the IP, like, to go virtually wherever I want, turn it on, turn it off, do whatever. It's, like, just a switch, and you don't notice a difference in speed or anything. Right. And the thing that I use it for, which I think you might like, Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone listening hopefully likes as well, considering we're here to talk about cinema, you can do what I have dubbed, and many others have, uh, virtual tourism. Like, today I connected to an IP address in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can then just look at all the different options that various streaming services have in different countries. Because I know we have a lot of listeners in the US and I know we have a lot of listeners in the UK so I wanted to give like 
some things you might be missing out on or it, you could get if you want to pretend that you're in another country for a second while you stream stuff. Okay. The UK had two series that I really love, Archer and The Office, which you can't get on US Netflix. I believe that moved because of the NBC Peacock. deal. Yeah, yeah you, you gotta yeah, buy yeah. it on Peacock. Uh, and then it also, for films, it had The Croods, which I actually did like, and of course, the one and only Ace Ventura. Oh. You can actually get on Netflix. Just to put it out there as well, this is one thing what I noticed when I traveled to New Zealand and back. New yeah. Zealand has a completely different Netflix catalog. I would say it's a much smaller catalog, but a bitter one. Really? Yeah. In terms of like the the bigger movies, like the high, you know, the things that were in the movie theater will likely end up on Netflix because there are fewer ch- fewer services out there. So. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I will I, explore that for next crime. There you go. So if you would like to sign up for NordVPN to get all of that goodness, you can basically go to nordvpn.com slash aboutmovies, and then you get a huge discount on like a two-year plan with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can see if you if you like the service, I'm pretty sure you will. And then you, I think they even throw it. It changes a lot, but they throw in a few months free depending on uh, when you're listening to this. And, and, and the last thing, if you are in the market for a VPN type thing and you listen to us... Mm. You going to that link and using the code about movies actually like actively helps this podcast keep going. We've been we've been literally on our own in the dark <laughs> listening to Tracy Chapman for eight years and uh I don't know. And accumulating debt. And it, <laughs> <laughs> servers ain't cheap. Yeah. Uh neither are movie tickets anymore. Jeez. So yeah. anyway, uh please check that out again. It's nordvpn.com slash about movies. I'm gonna try. Uh, I'll give it yeah. a shot. Did I, did I win? I win. I'll give you this one. And as this movie is sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exploring the the folly of the, not only the ultra wealthy, but like even the even the, the upper crew, I'll call it. Mm. Like, like the folly of them. Mm. Uh, like, like just being super psyched to like try to get tips and scraps and like doing the, the, the fancy work. Whereas but, but the, under, like, yeah. the underclass the is not seen, not heard, yeah. and has to do all the hard work. Yeah. Um, but they're not, like, raging about tips and things. Like, it's just, it, it really felt very, like, you know, obviously the upper deck hands are sort of like the middle class in my eyes yeah. uh, that it's sort of representing. Yeah. Um, you know, like, able to touch and be around the upper class and hoping to get their scraps and maybe one day they would be that. And also, um, there's a, there's an interesting sort of part in this movie where the whole thing was you're never supposed to tell them no, right? Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. You can't tell them no. So yeah. one of the one of the um, the the rich passengers um, commands one of the girls who's sort of the, the deckhands to... Switch places with that with her. <laughs> she wants her to have fun. That was what my quote was yeah. uh, from the beginning, and uh, to get like to go swimming. <laughs> and they, she's troubled that with that because she can't. She's not supposed to say no, but she also has to work. Yeah. And it's that weird. Like I don't know about you, Shahir, but like, actually, I do know. I think you can probably relate to this. Have you ever been hanging out casually with someone that's crazy wealthy? Mm-hmm. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Sure. It's hard <laughs> because you don't know like the the even the even in a social setting, you have no you are not in control to uh, a point. Like if uh, you're going out to dinner or something like that, like there's a weird there's a, there's a 
And it's expectations on all sides. It's just like there's an oddity to that. So you roll that into this. You roll that on top of the allegory of what this is actually trying to do. Mm. It's it's it, obviously in this thing they're talking about sort of the ultra wealthy just sort of being like, well, why don't you just do this? Right. Like just do that. Like right. yeah. And the people being like, well, we can't because <laughs> we're not allowed. And then the, one of the big cruxes that sort of starts the cacophony of errors of this film was that they finally. Like they commanded the entirety of the upper crew and the lower crew mm. to go swimming and go down the water slide, which screws up everything going forward. Well, and, and in fact, you know, while I kind of found it at the in the moment to be like, well, what is, uh, why has this happened? Um, there's a sort of cacophony of, of circumstance here, which is one is that they've hit rough seas. Um, the second is that they have a captain who is not at the helm. Third is that this this uh, this. Uh, passenger has insisted that everyone go for a swim, which has messed up the dinner plans or the, the dinner preparation plans, particularly for the fact that they are on this particular night, which they've hit rough sea and have a bad cat and have a, uh, an absentee captain are making seafood, which is not being prepared in time to spot, to stop it from spoiling. Um, and this causes uh, what we will call the vomit and shit storm. Yeah, let's talk about that vomit and shitstorm <laughs> uh, nonsense. It was I, that's the part you mentioned that you were like, that's something that you don't like handling. Look, look, I've seen uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini's film Salo, which has uh, a feast of shit in its uh, in its uh, middle act. And it is not something you know, if you have triggers in movies, anything to do with that is like, I'm out. Sure. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, in that particular, you know what I've noticed though, this yeah. is sort of a tangent and I apologize for this. Sorry, not sorry. But the, the, I, I don't get grossed out by that yuck factor really in movies. Like yeah. this didn't make me gag or didn't make me look away. I've been noticing that violence mm. specifically lately, I've looked away far more now than I did when I was younger. That's good. Um, you should. Uh, I, I, I guess, <laughs> but like, I, it's funny. I noticed that. I forget what I was watching. Um, well, I mean, you were watching the last of us this week, right? Yeah, but that that's so f well. No, I guess pretty gory. I guess I yeah. didn't. I didn't look away there. Uh, anyway, and, and I, the menu. I, the menu didn't have anything either. I, I, side note: shout out to the menu. There's incredible restraint and sort of vibe. The, the vibing, like that, that movie is terror as a vibe and classism as a vibe. But like, uh, sorry, service like service industry worker stuff. Um, but regardless, I when it starts going. To super yuck town, yeah, uh, and not like haha yucks, like blah yucks, yeah. um, yeah. I, just watching the. So I, how, how did you read this as an allegory? Like, because I read it as like if the yuck, because you could take so many different things. I just had kind of fun like playing with it. I think that's where this movie really shines is you can like plug in a lot of different things to it. I took it as in that moment the yacht sort of just represented the world. Well, it does it does from the get go. But I, even but like to the point, sorry, I'm going more into an environmental swing. Right. Like everything is going downhill. The boat right. eventually right. is gonna crash or get something bad's gonna happen to the boat itself. But the entirety of the thing is becoming incredibly inhospitable. There are people at the bottom who are doing their jobs to try to clean it up, but it is not enough. There's no amount of fixing based because of the the ineptitude and the uncaringness of the people at the top making the decisions. 
like it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a there's a little bit of a a thing here, which is that I don't think you should. Unlike the so, I'm not as hot on the menu for one. I liked the menu well enough, but I I I I'm not you know completely enamored with it. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I? Um, but I think there's a thing here, which is that the film is there's a way to read this sequence as not just. No, I guess what I'm trying to say is <laughs> it doesn't feel heavy-handed. No. Until uh, a group of pirates uh, throw a grenade aboard the ship, and the and and of course the uh, you know the sort of beautiful irony of a of an arms dealer picks up one of the grenades and says, "Oh, I think this is one of ours," and then explodes. Yeah. Um. I. I. At that point, there is of course a beautiful irony of, uh, you know, a, a sort of. Uh, pointed comment about the the sort of inherent uh, flaws of uh, human capitalism, um, but I didn't actually find it heavy-handed. Perhaps because it's so physically exhausting to watch, mm-hmm. and it's and it's so much, and there's so it, there's a sort of level of proceduralness to it. Sure. It reminds me in that way of of the way in which Parasite is all about class, but doesn't feel like a heavy-handed didactic exercise in class yeah and and it's odd because this film is somewhere in the middle where it actually is incredibly heavy-handed in fact some of the criticism of it is is that it's you know uh, it's shooting fish in a barrel um because all of these people are awful but but it also plays through situations in a way that is realistic and earned and it doesn't feel you know like the only moment that kind of felt um sup- not not unearned but but heavy-handed was the grenade beyond I mean, that i guess the the beyond I, that everything happened in a way that was like yeah i can see this happening but, it, but the, the the grenade thing i think was the natural conclusion to an absurdist world it starts with the nutella yeah and it, <laughs> the yacht starts with the Nutella and ends with the grenade. Right. And I thought that, like, those were, to be honest, the two most on-the-nose, what the fuck, like, oh, come on, sort of <laughs> moments. And the rest was like, again, it is heavy-handed, but it's also, like, heavy-handed, like, showing you truths in an interesting and nuanced way that lets you decide like the different types of allegories you can plug into it right um i don't know i i dug the shit out of that and then don't don't say that word haha and then (laughs) and then this third i want to call this abigail's third act oh my my god God. so i I knew nothing about this so sadly i i here's here's the thing i did watch the trailer and i know you don't watch trailers and it does give this away and i found myself thinking fuck you know she hears right on this one (laughs) like like it was it was it was so it would have been i imagine such a lovely experience to have your third act seeing i like because because Abigail appears, and I don't know who she is. I have done the thing that the movie has trained me to do, which is to not identify her as a real person. Side note, yeah, there's two people like that. Nelson, played by uh, Jean uh, Christophe Folly, uh, I believe, uh, who is one of the 
Well, was he? Was he? He's or either was he? We don't person know. worked in the engine room yeah. or a pirate. Yeah. And there's a whole thing about one of the Russians, like, th- basically calling him out as a pirate because he's black. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that I, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, this I third don't act, and, and again, because I loved that it went here. And I was, I, and again, I was sort of going, where is the movie going to go to from here? Because surely the biggest thing that the movie can do has happened. And then it goes into this third act where basically uh, a new society is formed with the the remaining troop of the boat. It and also kills off like two thirds of its characters yeah, yeah. off screen. Completely like it's screen, just yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> and also uh, our our two gateway characters are entirely sidelined to be sort of interesting, but not necessarily that important to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And um, Abigail appears. And it turns out in this new world order, Abigail is the person who can fish and she can cook and she can fish and she can make fires, which is something that nobody else can do. Even even I would call the MVP of this movie, uh, Vicky Berlin, who played Paula, the like the chief deckhand or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Even her her middle class sort of superiority. She just switches to a new master. Yeah, completely. And it is <laughs> fucking great. It's uh, the when when Abigail says in the boat toilet uh, was it toilet uh, captain or toilet no I, uh, toilet cleaner uh, toilet cleaner no but there was a specific word that she had it was toilet um, uh, I toilet admin- I, I can't remember uh, and then out here I'm the captain yeah and I was like even though that is like probably not intentionally riffing on one of the most memeable moments of uh, another movie that came out several years ago, Captain Phillips, uh, you know, where they say, I am the captain now. Yeah. Uh, that was such, like, I I can imagine if I saw that in a movie theater with other people around me, I would have applauded. Yeah. I would have I stood up and clapped because I just, I was so enraptured by this moment. And I was enraptured by, you know, like, she could, the, because again, the economic reality of what has happened here is that she has the octopus. She divides up the octopus. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. And by and, you, it's for everyone else. Yeah, like yeah. everyone else gets one, I get one. Everyone yeah. else gets one, I get one. By the end of it, I have a big pile that I can keep because I cooked, I caught the fish, and I set the fire. So therefore it is my... And then she sets the tone for the new world. And that tone is brilliant it is just this brilliant breakdown of of what we see now the, the other thing that it made me think about is one of my favorite films of the recent years was uh alfonso Cuarón's roma and alfonso oh, Cuarón's yeah. roma um you know ostensibly kind of does this break the this sort of like gentle dance between the um middle class and low and and working class and you know but it does this sort of idea that there is a love and a bond between them and Trust me, when I talked about those movies, I I felt fell under the spell of Alfonso Cuarón's filmmaking, and I fell under the spell of that movie, and I still would do. This movie is so acerbic and and pointed in its class warfare that it made me realize that there is a world in which where Roma, where which goes completely the opposite direction, where there's not this love between the classes. There's like a fuck off. What are you talking about? I'm the captain now. Yeah, and and I, I remember it also reminded me of a moment in uh, Steven Spielberg's movie Empire of the Sun. Um, okay, 
In Empire of the Sun, Christian Bale's character lives in, uh, w- you know, World War II China, but uh, he is a child who has servants, lives in in a Chinese house, uh, or in his, in his in the English quadrant of either China or Hong Kong. I can't, I can't remember. Um, and as soon as the war breaks out and they're told to leave and he gets displaced, he comes back to his home and presumes that the people that looked after him would look after him. And they just do not. He yeah. like asks one for food, uh, asks a servant that used to work at his house for food, and she just slaps him across the face and walks away. And it just, you know, like it, it made me realize that like as much as we kind of romanticize these relationships, there is a real power structure at play, which means that no matter how, in, in a way, it it's designed to dehumanize us and dehumanize the people below us. And this... This sequence, which is absurdist and wonderful, reminds you of just how strong that line is and what happens when it shifts and changes. And Carl uh, has to, Carl and Yaya, well, Carl in particular has to negotiate it because there is, you know, like he talks about the fact that, um, uh, oh no, actually, I saw it was in a press conference that I saw about this. They talk about the fact that their beauty has commodity, is a commodity. And well, here, it's a complete commodity. So here's the thing. Yeah. Then it kind of, and this isn't to say, th- this is a roles and success of what their commodity is turned on its head. Right. Because Carl basically becomes uh, uh, a plaything for Abigail. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that Yaya was doing that, but it's 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 a similar... It, I mean, it, it, you know, like it, it is 100%, but yeah. not... You know, it, it is what it is. It's not like he he doesn't understand what's happening here, which is right. probably why that moment at the beginning of the film when he's, you know, where, where she shoves a fifty dollar note into him triggers him so much yeah. because he understands what's going on here, yeah, uh, and plays into it. Uh, the and there's a lot of sort of interesting things that happen on the island. Uh, one of the the billionaires, the rich guy who survives. There's basically two rich guys that survive. One, uh, I guess slightly less schlubby one one more put together and one like real schlubby the guy who sells shit right um but they do they have to like hunt for themselves for a bit and they like have to kill a donkey yeah and like that horror uh i i loved the sequence as well because it also it reminded me kind of like the dawn of man yeah you know in 2001 a space odyssey it was like because he is also this the guy who does the killing of the donkey is the technologist who's invented something, right? Like, or he's sold a piece of software yeah, or something like code. that. So, and when he kind of like stumbles over with his rock, and like, I, I really was remembering the Dawn of Man and apes and, you know, like their first kills and yeah. like doing it badly. Yeah. Um, so, so, and that actually sets up, we'll get to sort of the end, uh, yeah. an end moment as well. But the, 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 the juxtaposition of roles and the, it's weird. It obviously is still absurdist at this point, mm-hmm. but I would say third act kind of less so than than the yacht. The yacht is peak absurdist. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it um, is. Down to uh, like, oh god, I sorry, I'm going back to the yacht, but like when uh, a Russian capitalist and American communist on the 250 million dollar yacht are arguing with quotes mm. uh, is hilarious, mm. and I I got a real I wrote. I wrote down uh, a, a thing in my notes where I was like, this is totally exactly how the world ends. Because it, while the world burns, men debate. Yeah. And I was like, that's what's happening. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know we're kind of jumped back and forth, but there's so many little moments that you'll get to glean when you watch this movie that uh, sort of speak to a lot of a lot of issues that I think, especially since I mean, that have been at the fore for a long time, but that many people have has become even more front and center in a post. Not even not that COVID is over, but since COVID has started, right? Um, the absurdity of the rich got way richer during COVID. Surprise, surprise. Uh, the way that different classes of people interact with other ones. And when tonal shifts happen, that changes. Not Like, everyone is... How do I put this? Remember when we applauded for uh, nurses and and hospital workers? Yeah. 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 You remember that? <laughs> yeah. But now... Uh, now we don't pay them. <laughs> well, yeah. To be fair, we didn't pay them then. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's absurdity on full display with characters that are a joy to sort of watch and interact with. Um, and, and an ending that does fall into my category of endings that I don't love. Yeah, I wondered about that. I, I um, did think I did uh, wonder how you reacted So to there is without getting into the the ver- well I mean I guess we kind of end cuz we're, we're kind of almost at the end of the podcast. So at the end of it uh and I'm trying to remember why. Do you remember why they went on a hike? Um Yaya was kind of feeling that she had no agency against what Abigail was doing with Carl. Yeah. So she decides she's going to, you know, can I borrow the backpack? I'm going to go for a hike. And yeah, and and Abigail realizes that she needs to form an alliance with Yaya because um she is going to, you know, like the the order of the world has been upset. Yes. And she has done the upsetting. And I love this as they as they're on this hike, um there is both this uh, sense of sisterhood between these two women, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of pointed out that they are two very different women, two very different ages. It is, you know, Yaya kind of walks, you know, does the hike quite easily, whereas um, Abigail kind of struggles up the hill. And, you know, she, she sort of suggests we should stick together. This was becoming the best episode of Survivor ever. Um, and of course, they realize a couple of things that are happening there. We haven't even mentioned the woman who uh, who can only say in among in the clouds, right? The, right. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. who, who was then stumbled upon by a beach um, uh, watch tourist salesman. Tourist salesperson. <laughs> yeah. Because it turns out they're on they they were stranded on an island for weeks at one that basically on the other side of it has a luxury resort. Yeah. Probably not even on the other side of it, right? Like yeah. probably like just around the corner. They like just didn't explore. Yeah. Um, but the, the 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 other interesting thing too is I think Abigail mm. was starting to enjoy being an equal to someone like Yaya. Like yeah. like like they, because they say she... on that on that hike, yeah, we should we should form. You know, like you made it a matriarchy, and we should form. Well, that we was Yaya stick together. sort of smoking smoking it up, but yeah. the but like. The I think you saw for real Abigail liking interacting with this young, attractive girl who, before this power reversal, yeah, would have never even looked at her. Yeah, I mean, you know, Carl on the boat uh, when one of the workers yeah. takes his shirt off and he feels suddenly jealous. You know, he mentions this, which gets this person fired. That is how uh, replaceable and irrelevant they are to the lives of the upper deck. Yeah. 
You know. So so when they finally realize when uh, Ayaya and Abigail end up at the doors of the luxury resort, oh. uh, they're they're so happy, and then uh, Yaya, Yaya knows right away what's going on. Like when Yaya lands there, she knows right away that she doesn't want to go through that door. What do you mean? Yeah, you know, Yaya, Ab- Abigail doesn't want. Uh, to go Sorry, through sorry. Door. Yes, you're you're correct. Sorry. Yeah, Abigail. Yaya wants yeah. to go through that door. Yaya is like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Without saying it, like the status quo is back. Like this is great, and instantly, Abigail. all of that reverence yeah. and, and sisterhood of Abigail, like she turns it to sort of be that classist thing again of like, oh my God, we're rescued. Can you believe this is great? Like you can yeah. see your kids again. And yeah. she's like, oh, I don't really have any kids or whatever. And then she's like, well, you can, don't worry. Like when we get out of here, you can be my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, I think kind of pushes Abigail over the edge and she says she has to go pee and then she gets a rock and then she raises it above uh, a, a turned Yaya. <laughs> and then the last shot of the movie is Carl running through the woods. We don't exact exactly know what's happened here. But um, it's funny. I watched a, uh, a wonderful... I, I watched the Cannes press conference with the entire cast. And uh, Dolly DeLeon, who plays Abigail, was asked, you know, like, d- does Abigail kill Yaya at the end? And, she, and Dolly DeLeon said, like, you know, can I answer this question? And, she, and they're like, yeah. And she goes, absolutely. <laughs> She's like, she killed her like uh, the donkey was killed on the island. And she, go, and she was like, and she goes back and she probably either lies or kills or something because she's, there's no way that Abigail is returning to the life that she had now having taste what uh, tasted what equality meant in some way. Yeah, I think that's or an power. interesting... Yeah, yeah, like, but what's interesting, and I think why I don't mind this non-ending, like, from a narrative perspective, like I normally do mind them, mm-hmm. is this movie sets up so many different perspectives of so many different situations that... Yeah, like yeah, uh, sorry, Abigail as a character would a thousand percent murder that woman and to stay where she was, like no question. Uh, but like you know, who the hell knows what would have happened? The thing I didn't quite fully understand was Carl running mm-hmm. uh, and getting like cut up. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, we don't know which direction. It, it, I mean, I would venture that it looks like he is running. In the same direction they were uh, earlier, but she he could be running from. Um, well, they hiked left to right, and he's running left to right. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that's what I would guess. But it's like that's the thing. Why? <laughs> why is he running? Or why, why is he running way? toward them? Let's even say that that's the thing. Like it, it could be the case that Abigail. I mean, look, it, it 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 the movie is telling us it doesn't really matter which way this is going. Like, I wish the movie ended with her still with the rock over her head and that was the end. Right. Like, the running was an odd choice for me, and it left me... When when the movie stopped, I was like, huh. <laughs> like, I'm not mad, but and I'm not like my usual, like, what the fuck? Is but, like, I was like, I, I feel like there's a stronger way to do what you just did. I... I, I just I just don't like to second guess the filmmaker who's demonstrated such a degree of control. I know, and, I and know. so I loved basically the music the music in this section, and Music's I loved great. the image of Carl running in what I think what I read as Tara, but I don't exactly know what from. And I also, but I think that he it. could also be running in in joy because he's realized where they are. You know, like 
it could be one of it could maybe be one of anything. like but uh, but that like the facial expression and the and the body language doesn't really read that to me. Um, the, it could the, be. the 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 thing. I think because everything else is either set up so specifically or so well for you, to, like with hints and things leading you towards certain things. This is set up with like none of that. This that one shot, right? And it's I oh, I honestly think it's the one shot in the movie that doesn't have direct purpose or tie to it. And maybe that's the point, but like. That but, that moment didn't land for me entirely. I do wish it just cut with different music cues uh, at the end. I love with that the music rock. cue at the end. I just love that it was like commercial electronic music. Oh yeah, I'm just saying like adjusting timing. I'm not saying change the music. Yeah, I I love the music at the end, and it just it it just you know like I was <laughs> I was sitting down and this movie sent me soaring, yeah. and I was like, man, I would have loved to have watched this movie with the full house um you know this is this is like come back to the movies for this all right look we're, we should get to anika's email in a second uh you remembered everyone you said it i you said, said I it loud say. enough that shahir heard you through the magic of time space and the internet and now we're gonna get a good email so good <laughs> job everyone but but um i i think there's a you know like Aren't you glad that we kind of haven't done our best of year if we to, in order to get this one in no really Okay. Really? This okay. is not going to appear on your okay. top 10 list. Okay. Maybe. I haven't <laughs> built it yet. Right. But my point is, I just want to get it done. Ah. I want to live in the now, Shahir. <laughs> I want to I wanna move on with our life. It's going to be May by the time we do this. It's going to be. Uh. And you can write us in for an Only Movie Podcast, as Anika did, to tell us about how wonderful triangle sentences uh hey folks hope you're having a great weekend so far or great week so far uh looking forward to your episode on triangle sadness this week uh thought i'd share some of my thoughts here we go abigail exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark <laughs> oh i loved her so much what yacht where's the yacht in the y- this is the word i was looking yeah. for in the yacht toilet manager here captain who am i so good. I was also, I also felt very vindicated to see Dimitri Grovel. I'd been thinking about the ending and what it was trying to say. Oh. Is it that no matter what, the rich and privileged will do what they want, uh, want to do so that the system needs to be destroyed literally and figuratively? Is it the fact that once one gets power, one will stop at nothing to keep it? Or is it as simple as, or not so simple, as the fact that Abigail just doesn't want to go back to society as it is because it treats her so terribly and is completely terrible? So many great reads, and I guess it could be all or some. I'm curious to hear your folks' thoughts on this. We just kind of went over that. But I love that, you know, again, we were talking about open endings versus closed endings. Mm -hmm. An open ending like this leaves you, you know, it's that thing that I kind of, uh, I've mentioned before, which is that, Sometimes, for me, the best movies are the ones that start when you walk out the door. And this is one that kind of, like, continues when you walk out the door. And I love that idea. So I don't think that open endings continue the thing for me out out the door. Like, the ending of this movie is the part I'm least excited to talk about. Fair enough. Because everything else is so rich and everything else is so just, uh, you can have a thousand different reads on it. And and I feel like you can glean information to make to make that feel rewarding. For me, and again, mileage may vary across the across the you know spectrum as, as it should, uh, these kind of endings are never the thing that I actively think about. At best case scenario, like this movie, 
I don't really think much about the ending. I'm just like, oh, that's weird. I mean, I could posit it, but there's so many more interesting things for me to posit in the movie elsewhere. And continuing the email, uh, Anika goes, I thought it was interesting how they explored wealth and greed and how this permeates through the system. I thought perhaps of Paula uh, and her crew as the middle class in a way maintaining the status quo and only having their position by also stepping on those. Literally, we see this uh, with less privilege than them while trying to cater to the upper class, thinking mm-hmm. perhaps they're closer to them when they're really not. Yeah. Uh, uh, there were many scenes where this stood out to me, of course, when the cabin crew is shouting and stomping money, 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 uh, while the folks below feel the effects. The way Paula tries to get Abigail to get in line and still bend to the upper class as well when they're literally stranded on an island. Uh, the scene, the scene, we of course are talking about the middle scene with the, the shit sandwich. Uh, so I will never watch this movie again because of that. It just went on so long. I definitely appreciated its point and felt it was necessary to got uh, and got what it was doing but felt nauseous the entire time. I wonder if it needed to be that long, but I'm open to the argument that it needed to be to demonstrate the excess, the overconsumption, the way the rich will continue to consume and consume, consume. How will they ignore the chaos around them uh, for their own aims? Do you remember, uh, is it, it's not Life of Brian, but one of the Monty Python films where they're continually feeding someone at the at, at a restaurant, and he's just throwing, he eats and then throws up and then eats and throws up and Is eats that and throws life? up. Is it the meaning of life? It's perhaps remember. the meaning of life. It reminded me, in terms of the length, it reminded me of that, which is that the longer it goes on, the more it kind of gets to its point about excess and consumption. Um, so I loved it for that reason. Uh, Anika continues. Uh, l- l- laugh out louder than literally being on a resort. Again, could you ask for a more perfect ending? Yep. Uh, that end scene and shot... Uh, Perfection. So I, I think Anika is referring to the final run uh, there. But uh, uh, Anika, write us in again and tell us if we, to clarify that. I also found it interesting to reflect on the conversation between the captain and Sinister and how there is major privilege in musing about philosophy when you are privileged and are on an incredibly expensive yacht. I think the captain, played by Woody Harrelson, really acknowledges this. Yeah. Where he says, I'm a shitty socialist. You know, like yeah. he's like, I have had, I have, uh, I have acquired too much stuff. Yep. Um, Anyhow, overall, I really enjoyed it. Lots of, uh, lots of folks have noted the parallel to the menu, and I would say I think I enjoyed the menu more, but I think one, this one is a close one up there for me. So much to unpack. Can't wait to listen to your thoughts on this one. Thank you, Anika, for that lovely email. I absolutely love that email, and I'm glad we saved that for the end because, of course, it gives away a lot of spoilers, but I think reiterates our point on this movie as well which is the way in which class is played out, the way absurdity is played out, the way in which humor is a key factor of this movie. It is actually really fun to watch and joyous and celebratory. And again, Abigail might be the hero, like one of the best characters of any movie this year. Yeah. Go see this movie. It's, you can rent it at home. You should do that. And if you can see it in a theater, yeah. oh my God, I think it would be riotous. I definitely don't see it at, as much as I love the Alamo Draft House. No, and this go to the not Alamo. endorsed by the Alamo Draft House. Go to the Alamo. Don't go to the Alamo Draft House to see this movie. Order a milkshake. <laughs> Order a milkshake during the middle Chocolate scene of the movie. Chocolate milkshake. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Hey, everybody. This has been the only podcast about the film Triangle of Sadness. Shakir, when you aren't Dividing up squid in a very fair way for a supply and demand method. Where can folks find you? You can find me playing my very own squid game at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are working out A squared plus B squared equals C squared in your Pythagorean theorem, 
for your triangle of sadness, where can people find you? You can find me furrowing my brow at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W, carol.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN. And of course, Ember MSK on Twitter. Next week, you're going to email us in first and foremost at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you thought of Triangle of Sadness or any other films you want to you know, you want to talk about. But then, we're after a, we talk about that... We're only a couple of films away from f- covering all the Best Picture nominees. I know. Do we have to? Well, we kind of... It's, it's a thing. Basically, oh. there's so, okay. only two we haven't covered yet so far. I know. And I... I let's, women let, Talking I, and let's All Quiet on the Western Front. I just don't want to. <laughs> I'm We're, reading All Quiet on the Western Front right now. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Do you want to make a call right now? Here's what um, we're going to do. Women, women talking, talking, I believe, is only playing in cinemas. God All damn Quiet it. on the Western Front is uh, is on Netflix, completely buried. This is, like, Bardo is on Netflix as well, completely okay, buried. Okay, 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 okay. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, 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 okay. You sound like Next week, all all's quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Watch, me love, the, watch me love this fucking movie. Okay. I hear it's great. The following week, <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Okay. We're doing it. Okay. Then women the, talking. Then women talking. Then, then best our of. best of. <laughs> so we're three weeks away from our best of, right? Sure. Yep. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Mark your calendars, everyone. <laughs> we're doing you it just, in March. <laughs> yeah. Is, was the Oscars? Wait, the Oscars is in late March, right? So like right. this would take us looking at the schedule. Okay. Okay. Know, okay. We'll be fine. Because like the Oscars. When do the Oscars air? We have to look us up live right now. Okay. The uh, Oscars airs uh, 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 March twelfth. Great. So uh, I believe our best of episode will air March 5th. Whoa. So Which that... is great because then we can give our predictions for what the Oscars will be. Fine. And then the next week will be our – look at us scheduling live. Look at – well, I, you know what? I, I feel nice about it. I feel a little bit better about it because all quiet on the rest of the front I don't want to do and you're psyched for it. I'm not Qu- psyched for it. I, I have not seen anything you're about it. I'm just reading the book. It. And then <laughs> – Quantum Mania, I know you don't give a shit about, but I'm kind of psyched for. Right. And then Women Talking, we're both kind of, I'm psyched Sarah for. Sarah Polly, I'm there, and it's a, it's a film about Mennonites, I believe, uh, the, the sort of power of women in the Mennonites. Yeah. Uh, that's my understanding about that movie. So uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, other films is uh, Silent Light um, uh, about the Mennonite community as well. So, you know, hey, and Sarah yeah. Polly's great. Here, and I hear here's the movie the is great. Daniel Kwan from the Daniels tweeted about uh, women uh-huh. talking and said uh, it was amazing. Yeah. So, so uh, actually, one last thing for all y'all. Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. If there are any guests, either recurring that we've already had or someone you've always wanted to be on the podcast for any of these episodes, write us in and uh, I'll reach out. I don't give a shit. Tom Cruise was just on the uh, top, uh, the Mission Impossible podcast. Anything can happen. That's crazy. He also, uh, you know, he. Uh, have you heard about the the Tom Cruise cake? No. You don't know about the Tom Cruise cake? No. Tom Cruise sends all of his friends, oh, yes. acquaintances, yes. a special coconut yes. cake. Coconut cake. I do and, know this. And the uh, the the hosts of the uh, the Mission Impossible podcast light the fuse. They got some cake. Fuck. <laughs> they got the cake. That's the bar in terms of getting guests all that right. we have to aspire to. Well. Let us know who you think, what, whose cake we should get. Until then, everybody, thank you so much for lending us your ear holes for this time. Uh, and we'll talk at you next week with All's Quiet on the Western Front. All's quiet. Until then, be quiet. Be entirely quiet until next week. <laughs> bye, everyone. All right. Bye, everybody. Ooh, what was that? <laughs> my Congratulations. My system is healthy. Nice. Perfect timing.